0: Are you dating and wondering if the other person is the right long-term partner for you? And what is required to assess another person realistically and minimize repeating heartbreak and disappointment? This is Angelica. Welcome to my podcast, Discover the Hidden Potential of Your Mind. In today's episode, my daughter Tia and I are going to discuss the topic of evaluating or assessing others before we get into a partnership with them. We're going to focus primarily on romantic partnerships. And I'm so happy you're here with me again, Tia.
1: It's always fun. Plus, this is a super interesting topic for me. What gave you the idea to write about it?
0: Um, That's a good first question. As a relationship coach, I often see people leaving their marriage or their common-law relationship or their last boyfriend, girlfriend. And within a short time, let's say within a few months, they're involved with somebody else and they're convinced things are going to be different with this new partner. And of course, the new partner might be different in some ways from the old one, but that doesn't mean things are necessarily easier. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, everyone has certain personality traits that might mesh better or worse with your own. And just because their new partner is different in one area doesn't mean that the two of you
0: don't clash in another one. Right. We bring our own patterns, if you so like, our own wounds and unresolved issues with us. Mm -hmm. And unless we do our own work and we achieve clarity what our patterns are and we clear them out, our relationship history will just repeat itself.
1: What do you mean by patterns? Can you
0: give a couple examples? Sure. Um, Let's say, for example, somebody is conflict avoidant because they have learned this strategy growing up. It's worked for them growing up. But avoiding conflicts and avoiding open and honest communication in a relationship usually has one of two effa- effects. Mm-hmm. Either this person always gives in and lets their partner decide and control everything. And you might think that could work out okay, but this usually breeds resentment mm-hmm. in the conflict avoiding partner because their needs aren't met in the long run. Mm-hmm. And it can also leave the other person feeling alone and overburdened so both might end up feeling alone and misunderstood or another thing that can happen is when when one person is avoiding conflicts and not communicating openly that their partner is getting angry with them irritated for not talking and for not working things out Mm. underneath anger we're usually feeling something more vulnerable i've actually written and talked about that in my lock-in in in my podcast called sitting on the anger iceberg with you
1: yeah i remember that um underneath anger there are more vulnerable feelings like feelings of being overwhelmed alone scared uh, nervous exhausted trapped whatever and helpless lonely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: there can be lots of things underneath anger but the point is it's something way more vulnerable and Moving into anger, anger is a bit of a protective part there for us. That feels better, feels stronger than feeling the more vulnerable things. Mm-hmm. But to get back to that pattern, for the conflict-avoidant person, that person has learned to please everybody, and then he or she might end up with what appears to be controlling and/or angry partner. Mm-hmm. And when that person first gets into a relationship with a new partner, that new partner really seems to be different from the previous one. Mm -hmm. But their conflict-avoidant pattern ultimately creates the same dynamics. Mm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: The point of view
1: and approach to interactions that someone brings into a new relationship can encourage that kind of dynamic for them in new ones. Right. So
0: we always... Uh, dynamics that show up in a relationship there's also a part that we're playing in it mm-hmm. um, even if it seems to be that the other person is having the problem the issue <laughs> um, there's two in this relationship mm-hmm. right how is we have a person contributing to it so um, we just looked at it from the side of the conflict avoidant partner and how they're creating a certain dynamic mm-hmm. but it goes both ways of course
1: yeah yeah
0: So if we rush into a new relationship, we're skipping an important step. And it's that step of not just intellectually understanding what happened, but really completing the past relationship and then actually changing our own patterns, which have contributed to the relationship dynamics. If we rush into a new relationship, we've just simply replaced one partner with the next. And unfortunately, that's what we're taught to do. Mm. What do you think of when you hear the word grief?
1: Uh, Well, I think of mourning loss, whether that be of a loved one's death or just of past experiences that no longer exist, like relationships.
0: Mm -hmm. But most people will actually associate the word grief with a loved one dying. Mm -hmm. In reality, grief and loss in one form or another shows up with most changes in our lives, including the end of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So when a relationship ends in separation or divorce, it brings huge changes to our daily routine. That means to our friendships, our social interactions, and often often to our financial situation. And there may be elements of relief as well, right? That the mm-hmm. pain and suffering we experience being in that last relationship is over. But there will also be elements of grief and having to adapt to the changes, And one of the things that I actually love about doing these podcasts with you is that we can look at the topic from the perspective of two generations. So let's say a breakup for a couple who has been in a common law relationship or has been married brings different changes than when you break up with a boyfriend or girlfriend. But not to say that one is more painful than the other. It's just different. Mm -hmm. So looking at a marriage or marriage-like relationship first, if that ends, it means possibly relocating so losing the support of the neighbors and losing the old neighborhood um, and starting over again in a new area
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it um, can mean financial changes if up to this point two people have pooled their resources and now one person is carrying the financial responsibility by themselves that's a big change Mm -hmm. it can change um, friendships and networks right um I often hear that when a couple breaks up, their couple friends step back or they take sides. So there's lots of shift and changes around uh, the social side, friendships, and so on. Then when children are involved, there are huge changes, of course. Often both parents go from being able to be with their kids full-time to Mm part-time. There's lots of grief in that. Not to mention all the changes the kids are experiencing. So the end of a relationship brings huge life changes and life changes always means that we have to adapt and we have to deal with the pain and the loss. Mm. What changes do you see at your age when a relationship ends?
1: Well, because of people at my age, their dependence on relationships with their friends and that social structure, that changes a lot when you and a relationship, if you had common friends, if you based your friend group around that person, that could fall apart, make you feel lost. Um, Also just because you're changing so much at this age, who you are is so strongly changed by who you're with and who you spend your time with. So whether that be the person you're in a relationship with or their friends, that shift can also be super disorienting and it can make you feel like you're losing a big part of yourself because you have yet to figure out who that self is. Mm. Whether that be a good thing or a bad
0: thing that you're breaking up and forced to do that. Mm, That's a good point. Relationships certainly shape our identity, Mm -hmm. how we see ourselves and how others see us.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So yeah, so it's super tempting to rush into a new relationship, to not feel that pain and that change and, and fear which um, changes naturally bring up so processing the changes can be challenging because our environment is not supportive
1: yeah
0: often the advice we are being given when a relationship ends is along the lines of oh don't feel bad right it makes people uncomfortable when we're feeling sad Mm -hmm. so don't feel bad Or they'll say stuff like, oh, there are many fish in the sea, you'll find somebody else, as if you can just replace one person with the next, Mm -hmm. um, as if partners are just simply exchangeable. Mm. So what is required, though, to move forward without dragging our old baggage with us is to, number one, fully process the previous relationship. Mm -hmm. That involves or includes understanding what patterns caused the breakup. Mm -hmm. Then what's also required number two is to grieve the old relationship and with it to grieve the loss of our dreams for the future, right? Usually we have dreams and plans for the future that need to be grieved. Yeah. So the choice to be with someone else without having done that deeper work might come from a fear of being alone. And and I get that. I we can have empathy with that. I um I can even speak from my own experience in regards to that. I remember being very much in love with somebody years ago and then feeling shocked and heartbroken when the relationship ended. And within five months, I think, when I think back to that year, because I remember it was by Christmas that same year, I was dating somebody else and I was convinced that must be now the love of my life. What I understand in retrospect, right, um, Mm -hmm. was that really underneath this rash decision, was that I didn't want to be alone for Christmas. Yeah. But number one, I didn't know myself well enough. Mm-hmm. And two, I had not um, vetted, evaluated, assessed this mm-hmm. uh, new person properly and the relationship did not last long.
1: Yeah.
0: So jumping into the next relationship without knowing we have a person will most likely cause further heartbreak when that relationship also ends.
1: So how does someone... Not given to the temptation to rush into their new relationship? Or how do you, you judge whether a person is a potential match or not?
0: Yeah, good. Let's come down <laughs> to that question. We talked so much about the temptation of rushing into the next relationship. So let's look at what we can do instead. Um, Dr. Joan Borschenko, she's a psychotherapist I like to listen to. Mm-hmm. She likes to joke, and I think this is based on her own experience. That if your parents were alcoholics, you can go to a cocktail party and there's one alcoholic, nobody else is, Mm -hmm. and you're going to end up talking to that one person. Mm. Why is that? Because we're drawn to what's familiar, what we're used
1: to and what seems like the natural way of life.
0: Exactly. So what's familiar and also unresolved from childhood that draws us. Mm -hmm. Um, Therefore, we need to be aware of our wounds and our patterns. So I might want to explore what I've learned about myself and other people and what I've learned about love relationships growing up. What are my patterns? Mm -hmm. Let's say I'm afraid to be alone and I have maybe a fear of abandonment. I might rush into the first possible relationship that shows up and recreate a vicious cycle of repeating heartbreak. Or if, um, here's another pattern, if one of my parents was emotionally distant That might be exactly what I find myself attracted to over and over again, even though another part of me knows that I suffer greatly when my partner retreats and closes off.
1: So how do we get to
0: know the other person better before we get into that new relationship? So when we get to know somebody, it really pays off to take it slow and to not focus so much on ourselves, Mm -hmm. but to actually be really curious about the other person. Because if we focus internally on how somebody makes us feel, for example, in the beginning they might make us feel attractive or admired or appreciated, that focus on ourselves does not tell us anything about the other person at all. So we cannot hear what people tell us between the lines if we're too distracted by our own feelings, too focused on ourselves. Right? But we learn to do that. We, people ask us, how do you feel? How do you feel about him or her? Right? <laughs> well, that's great. But we also need to be able to still listen what the other person is saying between the words, between the lines. Mm-hmm. We want to learn to read other people relatively quickly before we get emotionally attached to them. Mm. And why? Because once we've started to bond with somebody or we've perhaps announced The new relationship to all our social contacts, we're more likely to make excuses for them and to put up with behaviors or with character traits or values that will become deal breakers in the long run. Mm -hmm. And in order to evaluate, assess somebody for a match, we need to know what our own values are Mm -hmm. and which ones are must-haves or deal breakers. I, I do value exercises with people, you know that, <laughs> um, to figure out what their top five to ten values are. And if we're not 100% clear on what our most important values are, or we're not even living them in our own lives, that also happens, mm-hmm. how can we possibly make the right choice in regards to another person who we want to share our life with? Yeah. So we need to learn to listen for other people's values, once we've understood our own, mm-hmm. And we need to listen for those values in what they say to us. So anybody can say things like, um, honesty is really important to me. Right? Or um, I make my relationship or relationships first priority. Or they could say, I want uh, financial security. But do they actually behave in line with what they proclaim to be an important value? <laughs> so when you're dating somebody, here's some questions to so keep in mind. What matters to them? What values become apparent? And that's not what they say, but what their actions actually say. Mm, that's why uh, there's the phrase actions speak louder than words. Right. <laughs> so you want to really look for that. And then you want to also check if these values that the other person seems to display are in line with your own top 10 values.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if somebody says they value honesty... Um you might for example want to look for whether they actually spoke to their previous partner and finished that relationship before they got into the next one or something mm-hmm. like that right that's honesty uh, when it's hard when it's actually difficult to be honest
1: mm-hmm.
0: um or if they say they want financial abundance and security do they have savings or are they perhaps in debt right yeah. um so one a person can say one thing but not act in line with what they say is a value. Mm -hmm. Mm. Can you think of another example?
1: Somebody could say that they're adventurous, but when was the actual last time they went on a trip that was super adventurous
0: or they just explored somewhere cool? Right. And then, again, you want to check, is their level of being adventurous in line with yours, right? Because that's one of those that can mean all sorts of things. It could be already adventurous for me to... Uh, go on a trip to I don't know, Europe mm-hmm. while for someone else it's adventurous to go on a five month <laughs> uh,
1: backpacking trip staying in hostels whereas that's
0: yeah, right, yeah. right yeah. Or, or we can think up all sorts of examples where the values might not be in line another question to keep in mind is what is the other person's position on taking responsibility for their own words and actions or are they blaming others like their ex-partners for past difficulties that's always a good one to listen for mm. um, you want to find out what their strengths and weaknesses are when we interview someone for a job of course that would be one of the questions to no, ask what is. are your strong? St- sorry, strengths what are your weaknesses Um, Another question would be, and I I think that's a very important one, how do they look at challenges and how do they look at problem solving? That means in regards to life situations in general, but especially uh, in regards to relationships. If they're conflict avoidant, we've talked about that before, they won't be able to work relationship issues out when they come up. So you're saying to listen for how they solved Previous relationship issues and conflicts. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and what ties into that is how great are their interpersonal skills and communication skills? Do they have a high EQ as opposed to IQ? <laughs> because an EQ, a high EQ, which will allow them to have empathy, to share their own emotions, uh, to maintain relationships beyond uh, the initial connection. Yeah. Yeah. And then along the same lines, do they have a history of working through situations or are they most likely what we call a fair weather friend who's going to be there for a good time, but that does not have the resilience to work through challenging life situations? Mm. And we have to keep in mind that even after a few dates, we don't have the entire picture yet. We're, we're likely filling in the blanks with visual thinking. So... Rather than deceiving ourselves that we already know a lot, let's continue to remain curious after a few dates, right? And open to discover what Mm -hmm. the other person is really like. And um, hypnotherapist Michael Yapko, he recommends to make a concrete list of 25 things we do not know about this person. Because any of those things could be a potential deal breaker. So... I I like that idea Um, we focus on what we know already and we're often not aware what we don't know yet Mm -hmm. so when you ask yourself what are the things you don't know for sure yet and still need to find out you suddenly realize that there's still a lot lot of gaps Mm -hmm. and for the blog article I had created an image of 25 of a list of 25 things Mm -hmm. so do you want to go through it perhaps take turns yeah, with sure. different potential questions. And this list is by no means complete. It's just an incentive to think about your own values and to be curious about the other person's values. You can certainly add other questions to this. You can probably find another 25 to mm-hmm. to add to this. Um, so should I start or do you want to start? Okay, so one important question to ask is how did this person's last relationship end Mm. that tells you a lot
1: yeah Uh, another one is what does commitment mean to them
0: Mm -hmm. right commitment can be defined very differently how much time do they like to spend together what's commitment to them Uh, what priorities are there Um, even simple stuff like flirting with others yeah where the
1: line is drawn. where's the line drawn right Mm.
0: and then question number three does he or she live with honesty and integrity or do they just talk about it Mm
1: -hmm. uh number four is how does he feel about cheating he or she she.
0: Mm -hmm. um another question you could potentially look into is if that other person had depression or anxiety and on the flip side if I'm perhaps struggling with depression or anxiety, or I have at some point in my life, would we have a person be supportive, right? Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting topic because that can create a lot of um, challenges for a relationship. Mm. Um, number
1: six is Does he or she have debt or other financial commitments? Mm-hmm.
0: Number seven What is his or her relationship with his, his or her parents or other family members? Especially if family is perhaps a high value for me, I want to find out where's that value for them, him or her or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. Are we in line with our values in regards to family?
1: Number eight is, has he ever helped a friend or family member through a challenging time?
0: Right, so that would tell you something about um, how much does he or she value kindness, compassion, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, Was his or her upbringing warm, close, and supportive? It's, of course, easier to be with somebody who had uh, a warm and supportive upbringing. But if it wasn't, is that person even aware of it? And um, how do you work with that?
1: How does he or she feel about having alone time?
0: Right. That was question number 10. Um, Number 11. How many sexual partners has he or she had?
1: Number 12 is how important is sexual compatibility to him or her?
0: Right. 13, how does he or she mostly express affection that would get us into love languages? Am I comfortable with touch? Do I need words of affirmation and so on? Mm. Uh,
1: 14 is, is he or she able to communicate well?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Number 15, do we have the same sense of humor? Actually quite important on one.
1: 16, how important is physical attractiveness to him or her?
0: Right. Are we uh, on the same wavelength in regard to that? Uh, 17, what does he or she feel is his greatest accomplishment? That tells you a lot about people's values Mm -hmm. too.
1: 18 is what is a treasured memory?
0: Mm -hmm. Or 19, what is his worst memory and why?
1: 20 is, what does he feel sensitive about or she?
0: Mm -hmm. 21, what was an embarrassing moment in his or her life? All these are really good value questions to find out about values. and Mm -hmm. um, Just what they care about most. Right, and Mm -hmm. sensitivities and perhaps even past traumas could come up with some of these Mm -hmm. questions.
1: Uh, 22, what losses has he or she had
0: in their life? right because grief accumulates and needs to be worked through so we want to know about that mm-hmm. 23 what does he he or she feel most grateful for
1: mm-hmm. uh 24 is how does he or she ad- who oh who does he or she admire or look up to
0: mm-hmm. that again tells you quite a bit about mm-hmm. that person and 25 if he or she had one wish what would they wish for values again right yeah so before we commit to another person it's also beneficial to have one or two honest friends or family members with this potential new partner meet them and (laughs) tell us what they think but in order for this to be helpful we of course have to be willing to listen to their impressions and assessment Mm -hmm. right if we're already bonded into the into the partner and we don't really want to hear any warnings or concerns there's no point in asking friends Um, and we also need to ask friends or family members who would be honest and not worried to share what they notice so to summarize what we've talked about um the best way to attract a more successful relationship is not to approach the search for a new partner with immediacy you have to happen this has to happen right away or desperation but with curiosity with a realistic attitude and by taking one step at a time so taking it slowly and really listening and being curious Hmm.
1: so i guess all that's left for me to ask is if any of your listeners want to find out more or if they want to work with you what they
0: can do do to make that happen well they can always go to my website which is greendoorrelaxation.net there's lots of information on there there's articles on there um, videos lots of pages with uh, information about my services they can also contact me for a completely free phone consultation about 15 to 20 minutes and They can also set up an appointment for either individual coaching sessions or couple sessions. And again, my name is Angelica. The phone number to call me at would be 905-286-9466. Or they can email me to greendoorrelaxation at yahoo.ca. And one more time, the website is greendoorrelaxation.net. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me again. Of course. All right. Until next time. Bye.